BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As the federal government continues to push vaccine and mask mandates for average Americans, the progressive elite gathered at New York City's famous Met Gala. A celebration of conspicuous consumption, ridiculous costumes, ham-fisted political statements, and extreme elitism. Oh, and not a mask in sight for the rich and famous. I'll show you all the hypocrisy in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. What could say it better? Then AOC, America's most famous young ignorant socialist, going to the most elite socialite gathering in the world, the Met Gala in New York City, where tickets go for $35,000 a piece, where a full table will cost you 250 k and AOC shows up to this bacchanal of elitism in a tax the rich dress ah yes tax the rich she shows up at a place with nothing but rich people and she's among them she's not protesting them she's partaking in their excess she's rubbing elbows with she's among the elite she is the social elite despite being a socialist or rather because perhaps she is a socialist and people were looking at this one and saying what the heck is going on? What is this nonsense? This doesn't make any sense. Well, AOC, never one to be shy about lacking sense, came forward to explain her tax the rich dress. You know that this dress has a message for this Met Gala. Tell me about what that is. But it's really about having a real conversation about fairness and equity in our system. And I think that this conversation is particularly relevant as we debate both a budget and, recon you know, budget and reconciliation bill. But we're talking about providing working families with childcare, healthcare, meeting the climate crisis at the scale that it deserves. Yeah, it's about a conversation about fairness and equity. By the way, you could say that about pretty much anything that you want to claim as a political statement. It's a conversation about fairness and equity. No, she wanted to go to the super fancy party, but still do some virtue signaling and, and draw attention to herself. But it's also symbolic of what's really going on here, which is that the Democrat party is full of champagne socialists and people that want to live as the one-tenth of 1% 1 while making sure that those who are working for a living and trying to build up financial independence 
have more regulations from the state, higher taxes, and the boot heel of government constantly on their neck while promising to care so much about the poor. No, they want the dependent class and the ultra elites in a alliance. And that is exactly what the Democrat Party is. People that need the government to take care of them, want the government to take care of them, and then those for whom the government doesn't really matter except as an exercise in power and self-aggrandizement because they have so much money, it doesn't matter really what the tax rate is. And those people are all gathered here at the Met Gala. There's something else that was a little bit uh, strange. Here's Representative Carolyn Maloney's Equal Rights for Women dress. And isn't it fascinating? You see her, she's there with her equal rights dress on. And, you know, she's, she's my congresswoman or has been here in New York, and she's awful. Uh, but you see in the background all those women with masks on. Oh, so the help, the people that are paid by the hour, the people that are just trying to make monthly rent, they have to mask, but not the fancy elites? Why? They're all vaccinated. It requires vaccination for anyone to go to this Met Gala, right? So what is the medical, the scientific, the Fauci-approved reason for this, if you will? Oh, they feel no need to tell us. Here's an August 19th tweet from the Metropolitan Museum of Art. In accordance with New York City mandates, starting today, all visitors to the Met must be vaccinated against COVID-19. Children younger than 12 must be accompanied by a vaccinated person. Masks for all visitors. Wait, but masks not required at the Met, Met Gala? Why is that the case? Why is it that there's a special exception for really fancy rich people? Because my belief, and you can call me crazy, is that there is not, in fact, some epidemiological or scientific difference based on someone's bank account. Human immune system's a human immune system. We could all be vessels for this virus, right? So why are they changing the rules based... Oh, you mean it's an exercise in power. You mean it's an exercise in how important the elite apparatus of control thinks an individual or an event may be. Somehow that's more important than the science. Speaking of the science, there's a man who thinks that he and that term are synonymous, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the lab coat tyrant extraordinaire. And while you had the Met Gala uh, breaking the rules of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the servants to help all masked up, you know, because they've got, they've got germs. They're, ooh. But the fancy people don't have to wear masks because they're a, oh, what was that they said about the Obama party in Martha's Vineyard? A sophisticated crowd, I believe, is what we were told by CNN. Well, while that's all happening, New York City school children are being told they have to eat their lunch outside, can't even eat it indoors. They have social distancing requirements. They have plexiglass dividers up in the classrooms. And oh, by the way, Dr. Fauci is not done with you. He's saying that while all this is going on, there's still the possibility of vaccination for airline travel on the table. Well, that's under consideration, certainly. I mean, I, I have been asked that question and it actually got, got some play in the press when I made the answer. I think that if, in fact, it is seriously considered, it's on the table, we're not there yet. In fact, if you look at the six-point program that the president came out with a couple of days, what we were talking about with travel was doubling the fines of people who, in fact, are traveling and don't get tested. You know, ha ha, they got some play in the press. This guy's obsessed with getting play in the press. That's what he does. That's what this is all about. 
And you'll remember that it wasn't long ago that even Fauci himself was saying that we, don't, we shouldn't have mandates, that mandates are not a good idea, that we should allow people to make their own choices, their own decisions about whether or not they would get vaccinated. So what changed so very dramatically with all this? Why is it different all of a sudden? Well, Fauci said that it's, you don't do what they say. That's the big change. Mandates aren't necessary until you don't obey their commands, and then mandates are necessary, which makes you think that maybe they wanted mandates all along. Here he is. It's no accident when you look at the under-vaccinated states and those places where you're having surges of virus more so than in any other part of the country, it's very heavily weighted towards red states as opposed to blue states. And that really shouldn't be, Trevor. It should not be. This is a public health issue. And as you said very appropriately a moment ago, the common enemy is the virus. There shouldn't be the divisiveness that we're seeing. Uh, We're trying our best to convince people, but you reach a certain point where you almost hit a wall that you're not going to get to a certain group of people. And that's where mandates come in. I mean, no one likes to mandate people to do things that they may not want to do. But sometimes for the greater good of society, you have to do that. You know, the same thing like seatbelts. Oh, yes, it's all just like seatbelts. We've gone back to the very beginnings of this pandemic when we were having these kinds of arguments. He says seatbelts. I say, why not have a 10 mile an hour speed limit? Why not ban cars? It would save thousands and thousands of lives a year. We all just take bicycles. In fact, bicycles go pretty fast. Maybe we just all walk everywhere. Yeah, we can play this game too. Fauci is a little fascist tyrant, and I think we've all had enough. But unfortunately, there are libs who worship this guy, despite the fact that he's always wrong and he's a little moron. There's that. We'll have more on the left's blatant hypocrisy with the first TV's Morgan Zeggers when we come back. But first, let's talk about investing, specifically in the crypto market. Crypto's heating up again. People want in on the action. But how do you get started? That's where Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, decided to create My Digital Money, an easy-to-use self-trading crypto IRA platform with great customer service. They'll help you get started. They'll answer your phone calls, answer any questions you have. They can also set up trigger orders for you so you can secure opportunities for those gains or limit your losses. They've got unparalleled military-grade security for your coins. This is who you need to be working through for your crypto investments. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. The First TV's Morgan Zegger stops by in a moment. The hypocrisy of leftist elites was on full display last night during New York City's annual Met Gala. In addition to the hypocrisy, the event was a fashion travesty. You had soccer star Megan Rapinoe showing a handbag that reads, In Gay We Trust. That outfit gets the bronze medal. Here's a good one. Model and actress Cara Delevingne wearing a bulletproof vest that says, Peg the Patriarchy, whatever the heck that means. And here's my favorite, Lil Nas X wearing a full suit of golden armor. Apparently he had to meet R2-D2 at Jabba's Palace after the, uh, the gala. Here to discuss the founder of Young Americans Against Socialism, the first TV's own Morgan Zeggers. Morgan, look, look pretty funky out there to me. What'd you see? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't see those outfits that you just showed, so I made quite the face behind the scenes. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> what do you think about AOC's Tax the Rich dress? 
Well, uh, Buck, I might be giving the boring answer here, but uh, there's, of course, funny memes that could be made out of this. I just don't think it's funny at all. And that's because history proves the things that AOC says are very dangerous and lead to the deaths of people. Okay, and so even just the last century, the 20th century has proven that people who come to power like AOC, who look fun and young and they're bringing this new movement for the people, they're calling themselves democratic socialists. They often then enact those socialist policies that aren't democratic at all or destroy democracy. And then what do you know? People like AOC end up rich and then the people under her, the working people that she said she'd support, end up either starving to death because the economy collapses under the socialist economic policies or they end up being shot against a firing wall. So. My first thing that I thought when I saw her dress at this $30,000 ticket event is Fidel Castro. He came to power calling himself a democratic humanitarian, rejecting the term socialism and communism, just like AOC does today. And uh, what do you know? He used to wear these like two Rolexes on his uh, his wrist as all of his people were starving and dying and being put into political prison. So I'm just not thrilled by it. And I'm not going to make a cheap, funny political take on this. All at the same time as this is happening, we're carrying about these stupid celebrities, you have a crisis going on in Afghanistan and unconstitutional vaccination mandates happening. So I'm just infuriated at this point. We also had a lot of people who were employees who were there, uh, people who were servers, in, in a sense, the servant class, if you will, present, whether it's ushers or uh, people who are just working the event. They all had to wear masks. And remember, we've been told that masks don't really protect you. They protect other people from you. That became after the Danish study came out showing that people wearing masks didn't really do a damn thing. And we've all seen this now in Bangladesh. They did a controlled trial study that said that cloth masks are essentially a joke. But no one's allowed to talk about that anymore because they don't want to feel stupid for wearing their cloth masks all this time. But they are stupid for doing it. Uh, But why do the people who are paid by the hour to be at the $30,000 $30,000 or $25,000 a person event have to wear masks? I mean, do they have some greater risk of spreading disease or are they just not fancy? They just don't qualify as the elites. I mean, we just saw this as well. There's a special allowance for people who are considered elite to post certain things on Facebook that, you know, average people like me can't post because I've been blocked from posting many things on Facebook before and I got like the semi-permanent ban or whatever it is. Uh, This is just, there's two standards for different aspects of society. And right now we we don't know what their rules are going to be today or tomorrow or next week or next year. And I was just really concerned because this morning I saw a video of Fauci talking about how, you know, it's on the table to consider fining people double or even requiring vaccination or testing to prove that you're COVID negative uh, before you fly domestically in America. He said it's on the table. And as I'm watching it, I'm saying, okay, so that means it's going to happen in a matter of a couple months. I don't trust what these people say. Look at these four workers. I actually started as a diner girl. I don't know if you had a first job or anything, I worked at weddings. I worked as a diner girl. I did all this, all these waitressing jobs, and I totally feel for these people right now. Just like our children in schools who are wearing masks still across the country for eight hours a day, as these celebrities can hang out in their fancy dresses at their fancy events, including people like AOC. When do you think it's too much? I mean, we've gotten, I think, a, a little bit numb to the COVID hypocrisy out there because it's so in our faces, it's so obvious and keeps, keeps happening. I mean, it just feels like it's only a matter of days before you see the next time a person who is mandating a policy that will affect millions of people 
doesn't actually obey it himself or herself, has friends who will ignore it at a fancy party or at some other event. We've seen this all along. I mean, it really started with the BLM riots outside when all of a sudden COVID had taken a break early in the pandemic so that people could pretend that cops are racist and bad guys when there are very different problems that are actually plaguing society. So when, when is it too much? Uh, that's the million dollar question, Buck. I actually tweeted, I don't, I'm not a big Twitter person. I think Twitter's a cesspool, but I tweeted this morning that video of Dr. Fauci and I said, these tyrants won't stop until they are stopped. And maybe that's a little controversial. I don't know. Maybe I can say it because I'm sweet looking and I'm 24 and I look all innocent. I don't know. Maybe if an old guy said it, it would be taken a different way. I'm only saying that in the sense that our founders fully anticipated these dangerous factions rising up like Antifa, Black Lives Matter. They also anticipate these dangerous tyrants like Fauci and the bureaucracy and Joe Biden, an inept leader. And what they did is they said, we're going to make sure that the people have a way out of this. And it's truly just federalism. Are the people at the local and state level gaining our power back and fighting back against the government? Uh, I also have a, a new podcast. I don't know if you heard about it. It's called Freedom Papers. And we did the first episode. The first guest to talk about Federalist Paper number one was Andy Biggs, the chairman of the Freedom Caucus in the house and his response to me about all of this of like wh what do we do at this point because it is getting out of control he told me that our government is no longer a federal government our, our dc government it is truly a national government and it's time for us to start taking power back from that government and making it a federal government once more it was just supposed to be a small federal government with strong states that were brought together thanks to our union to work in a cooperative way instead of fighting between each other as all 50 states so that was the original intent and i hope we can work and get local and state level action to fight again a bit fight back against these tyrants in dc like fauci and biden and the rest of because they are ruining things not only in America, but around the world, and it needs to be stopped. Morgan, thanks so much for being with us. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. CDC and Dr. Fauci are constantly talking about the effort to achieve herd immunity, but they never seem to include natural immunity in their equation, only vaccines. Why is that? We'll discuss in tonight's Buck Brief. But first, let's talk about the most valuable asset you, home, you, you own, your home. I mean, how much equity do you have in your home? 50000 100000 more? Cybercrime experts want you to know that the more equity you have, the greater the chance you'll be targeted by cyber criminals. Home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes. America's leader in home title protection, however, is Home Title Lock. And they're alerting homeowners they could already be a victim of this and not know it. Here's how it goes down. Cyber thieves search public databases for high equity homes. They pull your home's online title. They forge your signature stating you sold your home and they take out loans using your equity. You're not covered by insurance, your bank or common identity theft programs. Protect your most valuable asset today. Register your address now to see if you're already a victim and receive a complete title history of your home, a $100 value free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. There have been increasing reports of dwindling vaccine-induced immunity against COVID-19, and with that, 
The superiority of long-term protection conferred by previous infection of COVID-19 is beginning to seem more and more realistic. Remember just a few weeks ago when Dr. Fauci was asked whether people with natural immunity should get the vaccine anyway? He tripped over his own words. Take a listen. There was a study that came out of Israel about natural immunity. And basically the headline was that natural immunity provides a lot of protection, even better than the vaccines alone. Um, what What are people to make of that? Should they also get the vaccine? How do you make the case to them? You know, that's a really good point, Sanjay. I don't have a really firm answer for you on that. That's something that we're going to have to discuss regarding the durability of the response. Seems Dr. Fauci realizes natural immunity confers longer lasting protection against the virus, but the little man won't admit to it for some reason. Let's take a closer look at the evidence here in tonight's Buck Brief. Plenty of information out there on natural immunity, as in what you have if your immune system successfully fends off and defeats the COVID-19 infection. And yet we never really hear very much about it. When Joe Biden gave his speech recently announcing mandates or testing in businesses that have over 100 employees, there was no mention of natural immunity, even though we suspect based on the numbers that over 100 million Americans may already have it. That's pretty substantial, isn't it? You're talking about maybe a third, maybe more of the country doesn't really have to worry about COVID, is better protected than those who have the vaccine alone. Is that the case? Shouldn't the CDC know if that's the case? This is from a Bloomberg op-ed. The immunity from infection may explain in part why the Delta wave has leveled off or started to drop in Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Florida, where it had risen highest. The phenomenon also complicates the study of long-term vaccine efficacy because unvaccinated people are becoming increasingly immune as Delta spreads through them. That means the unvaccinated are becoming inadvertently inoculated. Yeah, that's basically what is happening across the country and has been for a long time. People are getting COVID in large numbers every day, and unless they die, they then are very unlikely to be infected with COVID again. We have this enormous push for vaccination, but we don't hear very much about the natural immunity component. Why is that? Well, it seems to me that there is a narrative right now that the Democrats want everybody as part of the religion of Fauciism to go get the shot. Doesn't matter if you already have immunity, as I did, and I was forced to get the shot here in New York City so I could go about my life, so I could attend my own brother's wedding. They said, no, sorry, you must have the shot or else. But was that scientific? Was that reasonable based upon what we know about natural immunity? Of course not. But there are apparatuses of Democrat control out there that very much want you to just bend the knee, shut up, and accept not only that you have to get the shot one time, they want you to know that you're going to have to get the shot over and over again. Here's the American Federation of Teachers, Randy Weingarten, saying, yeah, vaccines, get used to it. Vaccines are a way of life. I think we have to get through the disinformation and we have to find ways to make sure that the public knows, starting with educators and healthcare workers and employers all over, that these vaccines are safe and effective. But we have to get through this terrible disinformation and, and the confusion that's set up when you've got a governor in Florida who has somebody at a press conference who goes through complete disinformation as the governor is standing right there. What is she talking about? 
And why do they keep picking on Florida, which still has a better per capita hospitalization and death rate than major states like New York and California or comparable to it without ever having locked down? And we, be- we were told that lockdowns were going to be highly effective. Remember that? Yeah. Let's also look at where is all this going? What's happening here? When does this actually end? Some of us would argue, I would argue that it should end right now, that COVID is already essentially over insofar as you got the shot, you didn't get the shot, it's let it ride time, it's let the rest of us go back to our lives time. That's what should happen now, okay? They tell us the shot is super effective, you unlikely to go to the hospital even if you get COVID, very unlikely to die if you get the shot. We should be able to handle it now, right? If it's what they say, should go back to normal. So why isn't that happening? And what would it look like for us to be at the end of all this? Well, here's Fauci on the threshold for herd immunity. Uh, does he have a number? Is there some data, some scientific marker we're looking for here? Oh no, Fauci, it's you know, kind of like pornography. He says you know it when you see it. Do you have a percentage in mind uh, of Americans that need to be vaccinated before uh, we reach a point to, to really uh, suppress uh, this this virus and actually be on uh, on the the winning side of things. Is it eighty percent? Is it eighty five percent? Is it ninety percent of Americans? Joe, we don't know. And you know, anytime you give a number, someone will poke holes in it. The one thing that I say, and I think it's as close to the truth as you can get, is you will know it when you see it. You should get we us here in the United States should get as many people vaccinated as we possibly can. Yeah, um, that's another way of Fauci saying, we'll tell you when it's over. It's on us. We'll be the ones who let you know when you can actually have your normal life back. A lot of power to give to unelected bureaucrats, isn't it? It's a lot of power to hand to somebody like Anthony Fauci, who has been wrong over and over again during this pandemic. And who you'd have to ask, has he actually brought any benefit from all the things that we've done? Have these mitigation measures, these interventions, as they euphemistically call them sometimes, making people wash their hands constantly, putting up plexiglass barriers, shutting down beaches and playgrounds, acting like outdoor transmission is such a risk you have to mask up outdoors or even avoid other people altogether outdoors? Has there been any benefit from this? Anybody looking at this honestly knows the answer to that. Meanwhile, there is finally a movement to start looking at natural immunity as something that has to be taken seriously because it should be. St. Luke's University and Lehigh Valley Health Network employees who caught COVID can defer the vaccine due to natural immunity. Under the uh, new policies, those who are infected with COVID-19 and recovered can defer their shots for up to 12 months since they uh, tested positive. Uh, From the date they tested positive, Sam Kennedy, spokesman for St. Luke, said the move to implement this was made based on guidance from network infectious disease experts. The experts are following the science. Now, look, that's at least moving in the right direction. I mean, there's no reason to believe that they are uh, going to have that immunity gone entirely in a year. They don't even know. But at least they're giving people a year after infection to not have to get a shot that they clearly do not need. Another data point that I think is very important everybody understand here. We're told that there are a lot of people in the hospital um, in the, well, currently in the hospital, but also all year, there've been very, there's been high hospitalizations from COVID. And that's been the primary metric we use, right? Because deaths are a lagging indicator. They can take weeks for an individual to die. So it's tough to see where that falls in the surge. And obviously cases are very dependent upon the amount of testing that's going on. 
So what about those hospitalizations? Well, in The Atlantic, not exactly a right-wing conspiracy blog, they write that our most reliable pandemic number is losing meaning. A new study suggests that almost half of those hospitalized with COVID-19 have mild or asymptomatic cases. So why are they even in the hospital? Well, it goes on. The study found from March 2020 through early January 2021, before vaccination was widespread and before the Delta variant had arrived, the proportion of patients with mild or asymptomatic disease was 36%. From mid-January through the end of June 21, that number rose to 48%. In other words, the study suggests that roughly half of all the hospitalized patients showing up on COVID-19 dashboards in 2021 may have been admitted for another reason entirely or only had mild disease. You're not going to hear that in a lot of places, are you? Pretty big deal. All right, voters in the Golden State are heading to polls today to determine the fate of Governor Gavin Newsom. We come back. California GOP Central Valley Vice Chair Corinne Rankin stops by to give the closing pitch against Newsom. But right now, I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Look, people want to get into crypto these days, Ethereum, Bitcoin, so many of the digital tokens out there. But how do you get started? That's where My Digital Money comes in. This is an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with top-tier customer service. They'll actually answer your phone call and help you get started. Your comfort and security is their top priority, all right? The crypto market's heating up again. This might be the best time in a long time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not just a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Today is the day California voters deciding whether or not to recall Governor Gavin Newsom, and if so, who should replace him. And although Democrats outnumber Republicans in the Golden State, the party still brought out its top players to help make the case for Newsom's job, including President Biden. This is not hyperbole. The eyes of the nation are on California. Because the decision you're about to make isn't just going to have, just going to have a huge impact on California. It's going to reverberate around the nation and quite frankly, not a joke around the world. Republican frontrunner Larry Elders, confident he's going to win today, saying there's going to be a surge of independent and GOP voters to get Newsom out of office. Is he right? Let's ask the vice chair of Central Valley California GOP, Corinne Rankin. Corinne, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. So is Larry right? Does he have a real shot here? And if so, how would that come together such that Gavin Newsom would be recalled and Larry Elder would be the next governor of California. Well, first, the ballots are, the first question on the ballot is, do you, shall we recall Gavin Newsom, yes or no? So if enough people select yes, then the, the, follow, the next question would be who's to replace him. And so far in those polls, yes, Larry Elder is leading those polls. Uh, right now, the Democrats' return ballots are outpacing Republicans in California by about two to one. However, there is this aspect, the, the unknown factor, because a lot of Democrats signed the recall nomination papers as well. So it's, it's, up, it's left to be seen how many of those Democrat return ballots actually uh, are voting in favor of recalling Gavin Newsom. As we came in today to the actual recall day, uh, what was the, your sense looking at the polls just on the question of, of Newsom's recall? Was it close, four points, eight points, within the margin of error? What, what were you seeing? 
Well, I've, the, the statistics and the, the data that they're putting out right now is about 60% that Gavin Newsom will remain in office. Uh, but I, I believe they're just counting those because those are the return Democrat return ballots. So there's, there's going to be a number in there of, how, of Democrats who will vote yes to recall Gavin Newsom. We don't really know what that number looks like at this time. Joe Biden tried to weigh in on this one at the last moment to give a little help to Gavin Newsom in his bid to keep his job. Uh, Smiling Biden, here he is. Play it. I'm going to make this as simple as I can. You either keep Gavin Newsom as your governor or you'll get Donald Trump. It's not a joke. Gavin, you have a governor to make sure Donald Trump's dark, destructive, divisive politics never finds a place in California. So Larry Elder's not Donald Trump. I think we could all agree on that. I think that's pretty straightforward. Is this just what the political consultants and and the pollsters and the Democrat side thought would work as some kind of a pitch to act like Trump is on? Trump's not even in office or running for office, but somehow he's on the ballot in California? Absolutely. You know, I think that for for the Democrat side, it's obviously the consultants that decided that they want to make this election all about Donald Trump, because if they make it about Donald Trump, then they don't have to go over the laundry list of failures by uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. It's better for them if they just talk about Trump and pretend uh, that Trump is actually a factor in this election. When the reality is the Democrats like to refer to this as the Republican recall, but it's not a Republican recall. This is a recall of the people of California, Democrats, independents, and Republicans alike. They all came together, they organized, and they gathered signatures with no help from the California Republican Party. Was it just last week that Larry Elder was walking, I believe, in uh, Venice Beach, California, and was attacked by somebody, threw an egg at him, the, uh, the attacker was wearing a, a gorilla mask with pink hair. Uh, this didn't seem to get a whole lot of national media attention, Corinne. Uh, I think it seems fair to say that the, uh, the media in California pretty clear on which sides they're picking in this recall. Well, absolutely. California is an overwhelmingly Democrat state. The, the media, is con- the Democrats control the media and they overwhelmingly choose uh, to, you know, run stories that only make Democrats look good and only make Republicans look bad. But as a black woman, I see the gorilla mask and you're throwing eggs and it's just it's overt racism. So I hope that they find this lady and they charge her with a hate crime because it's outrageous. Gavin Newsom certainly has had a tough pandemic in terms of his leadership and the criticism thereof. Uh, Based on what you've seen, and as a Californian, just from your own perception on the political landscape there, we remember when Newsom had all restaurants shutting down in his state, right? But then he went to French Laundry, one of the fanciest restaurants in the entire United States, and in fact was dining in close quarters inside was this when the, the tide really turned against him? I mean, was, was that incident would finally push people too far and the recall really, really gathered steam? 
Yes, I, I believe it was. It was the fact that he told us we couldn't dine out. He closed restaurants, but he was at the, the most expensive restaurant. And I think it was also just around the same time he was closing wineries, but his winery stayed open. He was closing, you know, uh, small retail businesses. Some people, if you had a a, 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 um, a nursery and you couldn't sell plants, but then you know the the, the big box stores were selling plants. So it's it, there was just a lot of hypocrisy that was going on, and it sort of all happened at the same time. Not allowing uh, Californians to, you know, not trusting us to be responsible in the way that we uh, conduct our businesses or that we patronize businesses, and just kind of. Picking winners and losers is just not something that is um, what we do as Americans or as Californians. Just as a closing thought, Corinne, if I could ask you, um, as a Californian, as somebody who's involved in, in GOP politics there, what would be, what's your pitch for why, not just Gavin Newsom, but there needs to be new leadership in California in general, what's really happening to your state? Well, we have the highest gas prices in the nation. I think a lot of Californians sometimes assume that these are the gas companies that are raising the prices, but it's not. It's the state of California. It bills that Gavin Newsom has signed that uh, lead us with the highest gas tax in the nation. Uh, we've got the highest uh, homeless uh, population in the United States. Uh, you know, our schools are failing. It's just, you know, I always like to use the, the term laundry list because, you know, even though El Gavin Newsom was at the French Laundry dining with his elitist friends, he, he um, has a laundry list of failures that uh, follow him. So I think it was just sort of this snowball effect, this, this all at once um, that was happening of all his failures that sort of just pushed people over to the edge. And I think it was the hypocrisy above all else. Corinne, here's hoping that Larry Elder is the next governor of California. Thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was on the hot seat yesterday getting grilled by Congress on the chaos in the Kabul withdrawal. We'll break that down for you coming up in quick hits. But first, let's talk about an investment opportunity with my friends at Dunfree Real Estate. If you ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation. Visit DunfreeUBuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Dunfree Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system flat out works. I know because I'm using it successfully. It lets everyday hardworking Americans own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't tell you in strong enough terms during this commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For You Real Estate where you can hear my personal experience with their company in my own words. I'll tell you about it in detail from picking the city, the house, getting the broker, the loan, even getting a tenant so I get free cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. We'll be right back with Quick Hit. The man who killed Osama bin Laden points out a shocking truth, and an official in Australia tells beachgoers to wear masks or face fines. Not a good day, mate. See what I did there. It's time for Quick Hits. Let's get right to it. This is very important, folks. You will recall that there was, uh, there were actually two airstrikes that we were told about by the Biden administration the week that 13 American service members were killed at Kabul International Airport by a suicide bomb. Uh, we also then were told by the Biden administration that the perpetrators would be held 
accountable. And I went on Fox News, I believe it was that night, and I said, I don't know how they think they're going to be able to have the intelligence to know so rapidly both who did this and how to stop the next one. Well, they never told us the names of, nor the association of those that they killed that they believed were in leadership for, that for the uh, suicide bombing in eastern Afghanistan. But they also blew up a car in Kabul, which they claimed was the next major suicide bombing attack. They stopped it in real time before it could get to the airport. Here's the problem with that. Seems like that was not true. In fact, based on the latest evidence presented, it looks very much like the Biden administration put a lot of pressure on senior military brass to take action. And in this case, that action killed an aid worker and seven children in his family in the drone strike. Here's Senator Rand Paul asking Secretary of State Blinken about the situation. Here's how that went. The guy the Biden administration droned, was he an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, the administration is, of course, reviewing that, uh, that strike. Uh, and I'm sure that a you know, full assessment will be, will be forthcoming. So you don't know if it was an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, I can't speak to that, and I can't speak to that in this setting in any event. So you don't know or won't tell us? Uh, I, don't, I don't know because we're, we're reviewing it. Well, see, you'd think you'd kind of know before you off somebody with a Predator drone whether he's an aid worker. You would think, and also you would think that the anti-war left and the Biden administration, uh, well, the anti-war left and the media at least, would be willing to hold the Biden administration accountable at some level. But no, remember, when Democrats are in charge, when Democrats are pulling the trigger, when Democrats have collateral damage, it's no big deal. It's just the way things are, and we're all supposed to accept and understand that for some reason. But we don't, because that's hypocritical, that's wrong. Rob O'Neill friend of the show, man who was the one who pulled the trigger on Osama bin Laden, had a tweet that got a lot of attention yesterday, because this is a guy that we all know is a true patriot, a true warrior for his country. He wrote, quote, 20 years after 9-11, the Taliban controls Afghanistan, and the guy who killed bin Laden, as in Rob O'Neill, is on a no-fly list. That hit home for a lot of people because you're sitting there saying, hold on a second, the guy who killed bin Laden, he can't fly anymore. Meanwhile, the Taliban actually runs Afghanistan again 20 years later. What the heck is going on in the world right now? Democrats don't really have any answers about this. They really don't seem to have much to say about it. They just continue on with it. Then there's this situation in Australia. Now, libs, leftists in our country, they look at Australia and they think, wow, that's amazing. Look at how they control everybody and everything. They think it's great. Meanwhile, we look at this, well, normal people look at it and say, what the heck has happened to Australia? Why have they all lost their minds? Bondi Beach is a pretty well-known place, big tourist uh, and, and just Australian surfer hangout place, beautiful beaches there. But Australia, as you know, has taken some of the most extreme anti-COVID measures of any place in the entire world, perhaps the most extreme, Australia and New Zealand. And here is an official, you can just see this, making an announcement that while you're lying out on the beach in open air by yourself, you must wear a mask or you will be fined. To everybody that's lying on the beach, please remember, you are in breach of the public health order if you are not wearing your mask. Please put your mask on 
otherwise times will apply. Also remember, social distancing is vital. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, what, 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 mask, why? Outdoors, why? What's this all about? Why should this happen? Where is the science behind this? That eh, doesn't matter. Mask up, peasant, do what you're told. That's what they say. It doesn't make any sense, but there are a lot of really stupid people, a lot of really cowardly people in positions of authority, and they like to abuse that authority. They like to tell you that you have to do things that make no sense. You know it makes no sense, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? You do whatever they tell you. Not allowed to question it, not allowed to say, hold on a second. What the heck is going on here? And then there's this Jimmy Kimmel, allegedly a comedian, but not really, because he says things that are nasty and political and unfunny like this. It is ridiculous, but this is an interesting statistic. COVID deaths have proven to be much higher in states that voted for Trump. Basically, if your state has more GEDs than PhDs, stay indoors. <laughs> Of the 54,000 Americans who died from COVID since the start of the summer, almost one one in five of them died in Florida, which, my God, all those orphaned ferrets, it's a shame. Mm, Not funny. Guy's a jerk. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line, the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly's up next. Shield side.